one. Well, folks, we got the everything rally on Friday. Even IWM, the small caps, man, they came, they came to the rescue. Not so much today. We got a mixed market, even us on pre-market prep are trying to figure it out. But you know who's going to help us? Tim Quast. At 8.35, the Quaster back in the house. This is pre-market prep on a Monday. Let's get going, Mitch. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's pre-market prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, let's think. Things started here. We're flat. Let's call it flat. 42.87 and a half. That's down a couple ticks. Kind of a quiet pre-market session, too. We'll see what uh, the big money does at 9.30. Buck back up 104 in the futures, up 32 cents at 104.27. Bonds down over a stick, topped on Friday and, or Thursday and Friday, just over 129. Crude. Crude's up. Buck 71. What do you know? OPEC cut. 75.03 open. 06 high. We're a buck and a half off that. Uh, gold struggling here, down 12.20 at 19.57.50, and silver down 20.7 cents at 23.54, and Bitcoin down 550 dollars at 26,835. Mitch, will you please bring in this imposter for Dennis on the show? I don't know who this guy is here. Collared shirt, hair is cut, didn't shave though, but. Two thirds of the way there. Who the like a gentleman is this guy? Do you have Do you have jury duty or something today? No, no. Actually, like, actually, I got are, that are in the mail the a while ago. Today? I did get the jury duty thing like that. You could be selected. I had to like send in my information, but I never heard back. So hopefully, uh, hopefully they didn't select. You know how to get out of jury duty? What's that? How to get out? Well, th this works. It's worked for me every time, but one. Oh, you say? Oh, I man, I, I have a whole family of lawyers. You know, I, I, yeah, I, we, we, I hear about legal, <laughs> I hear legal cases all the time. <clears throat> and that worked for me all the time I lived in Chicago. It worked for me here. And then I, this was about two, three years ago. I go into jury and they, they call me. I got called up and they asked me questions. And um, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, family of lawyers. The prosecutor mm -hmm. looks at me and goes, oh, that's good. Looks at the defense attorney. He's like, oh, that's good. And I'm like, what? And then I was actually the uh, the foreman of the jury, too. So that was kind of fun. But that's enough jury duty. You talk. ran the show, didn't you? I did. I tried to get out of there in the day. <laughs> we had to come back the next day. It was it was kind of, it was an interesting case. But anyways, everything rally on Friday, Dennis. Yes. But it, well, I don't know. Like we were trying to describe the day here. This is not an everything rally so far. No, it's a weird rally today. So let's take us back to Friday because they started buying and they could not stop buying stocks on Friday. And it was not just your tech stocks. It was your value names that have been in the trash. And I mean, a lot of these names 
were sitting near 52-week lows. Those are the stocks that were combing the ditches, and those that were the stocks that they were buying, all of these stocks that have been beaten up. And I mean, mm -hmm. and the best thing to just look at is the IWM, which has been sitting there for two months doing nothing, had its best day, and I don't know how long here, Joel. I think we we're up seven bucks at the end of the day on the IWM. It just started rallying and rallying and rallying, would not stop rallying. Um, impressive that, you know, now the breadth, we get one day where it starts to look good and you see how much the market loves that and goes up on it because the S&P has been struggling to go anywhere because the tech stocks are going up, but you have so many other stocks not participating. When everything started participating Friday, that's what will drive us to all-time highs. If you get that broad participation like we saw on Friday for multiple days, we'll see all-time highs by the end of the year. But I don't know if that continues. I'm just saying if you get more days like Friday, that was an impressive day for the markets. It was my, I looked at my long-term portfolio, which is full of value names. That was its best day it's probably had this year. Um, it was it was just a big day for value. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's get to some individual issues here, individual stories. Mitch, where, where would you like to start? All right. Let's go to oil, right? Let's go to OPEC Plus and them maintaining the oil production cuts. And then Saudi Arabia coming in here to implement voluntary cuts from July. It was a million uh, barrels here cut on Saudi Arabia's voluntary cut, but OPEC maintaining here. So oil has been beat up. Obviously, OPEC's not liking what's been happening in oil here, and we can see it in the oil stocks. You know, they didn't participate until Friday. So now you get some follow through here because you had the XLE basically sitting on the 2023 lows. And boom, we pop out of there Friday. We get some follow through here today. That's the good news. The bad news is there's still bag holders everywhere in oil. So, including myself to a certain extent, because you know I'm long Oxy and PXD. Mm -hmm. Actually, Oxy, I'm up in now, but PXD, I'm down in um those in the long-term portfolio so i mean this is the type of market where i, I it's hard because i want to know if we're going to get follow-through from friday in those value names and we're seeing a little bit in the oil but at the same time you're looking here at you know major downtrends in all these and you think well you know now you're getting a lift into those major downtrends do you just find the overhead supply here again i think i got to throw it to Joel and mitch here what are you guys thinking? Because oil's still in an ugly downtrend, but a two-day rally is nice to see. Yeah, and I think this is kind of the buy the rumor, sell the news event, though. That's my only concern is that I think that a lot of people were expecting OPEC to come in here and do a production cut. And that's why I feel like we had that two or three day rally. Um, and then the cut from Saudi Arabia isn't that big. It's just one million. So I think at this point, I just got to watch to see what happens with the pricing. Right. We if it goes back over 75 WTI, I'm going to be concerned that, yeah, we could see this ride higher. But we crack 70 again. And I think we might be able to crack 60 next time on the downside. It, it, it all depends. The oil prices are going to be driven by whether we do go into a recession or not here, too. That's and also obviously, you know, before Friday, we were seeing separation. It looked like, you know, there's going to be tech that's going to hold up. And it looks like, you know, the other stocks are in recession. But then you get the Friday move and it changes your views. And you're like, wow, you know, they start buying everything. And you just start thinking about it. I mean, a lot of these oil names, individual names are trading eight nine ten times earnings i mean these things are cheap if you know oil prices you know one stays sustained and two we don't go into a recession I, those are big f's because obviously you know some stuff is priced for a recession here but you got to ask yourself at a certain point the value names have been so beat up including the oil names 
is it all priced in? Like, are we, have we priced in, you know, a, a, a mild recession in the back half in some of these value names? There's an argument there. What about, well, first of all, you guys always know what I, what I say about oil and these production cuts. And uh, you opened up three ticks so far from the high of the session. But let's, let's think a little bit longer term than like the recession or non-recession. I mean, overall, you know, aren't we going to have, aren't we, I mean, it's not, I'm not, I'm not going ESG crazy on you, but aren't we going to be using less oil in the future? If it's they, just I so mean, far out. It is. And this is, is what, and this is why, you know, we, 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 we've, we've, you know, we've talked about this two years ago. Yeah. I mean, we're just so far out from going full EV like 10 years from now. Sure. But the market isn't going to price 10 years out. You know, the market, some people say prices six months out. I personally think it prices six days out or, or less a lot of times. So, I mean, to just say, yeah, you know, I think 10 years from now, yeah, I think if your portfolio is full of oil stocks and you're 10 years later, I think you're not going to be that happy. But next year, year after, are we getting away from oil that quickly? Not that quickly. No. Well, I mean, we've had, I think the equilibrium price, Mitch mentioned that $60 level. I mean, obviously, I think that the true trading low was like around 10 bucks, right? And then, you know, you had that, I mean, it did trade up to 120 whatever you're looking at in the front month contract. But I think if you look at like the historical price of oil, you know, reversion to the mean, this, I mean, you look at from 2015 through, you know, up until the uh till covid it traded between 40 and 70 for four years i i think when you have an area like that of that kind of concern i think that's where the true value is it seems like you know we haven't been able to get close to that 60 dollar level there seems to be you know a good bid in the mid 60s but i don't know i mean i i just i think overall these kind of moves they're made. You get the pop. But the last pop lasted longer than this one. This is a little bit interesting. Maybe this would be a little bit of a sneaky rally. But did it go up like, when was it last time? This is when it gapped up here. This is what it did. This is looking different. We'll see how the day ends. But last time it went from 76 to 82. And then it ended up topping in, uh, in the higher 83s. Of course, you came down. Always volatile. But uh, we'll see for right now. We're in the middle. Yeah. We're yep. kind of in the middle Stuck of the, the middle. You know, range there when I'm looking at that chart from last year. I mean, and trades in the middle are tough to call. So I, I, I it can go either way. I don't think I'm I'm putting major positions on either way here in oil. I think maybe on pullbacks, you're looking to add risk to everything. And that just mm-hmm. goes back to our overall market talk here. Uh, but I think <laughs> I think we're still at the crossroads here on oil. And I think we're on the crossroads on whether we're going to have a recession in 2023. So there's still a lot of unknowns here going forward. But the market is saying buy dips. All right, let's go ahead. Let's take us to one of the main events this week. Everyone's going to be keeping an eye on it. Of course, Apple gaining momentum ahead of the Worldwide Developers Conference. The focus is going to be on the AR VR glasses release. But of course, investors are showing interest in, of course, what AI, of course, we'll be watching to see what kind of mentions we hear from Apple in AI and all eyes on that release for the VR glasses. I mean, sometimes these trades are just simple. You're just long Apple coming in. You knew they're going to be talking about it all week. Stocks making new 52-week <laughs> high running up, and then it runs up another two bucks here today. 
I mean, this is what I talk about, you know, that running up into the yep. event. I make a lot of my money over the last 22 years as being long stocks ahead of earnings, ahead of events, because there's excitement, media is talking about it. And then usually I don't like holding through the event because those are more unknowns. But there is definitely alpha to be generated from just being long stocks ahead of events or ahead of earnings. Big move so far, right up near all times highs, up a buck eighty-one, and the all-time high comes in at one eighty-two ninety-four. I'm not sure what the all-time closing high is, but I'm opening into some potential resistance here. And I just tell you, I I'm not wearing those things. I know Mitch and I we had a little little <laughs> debate about this. I mean, and I'm surprised Facebook, uh, you know, that they're going so heavy into this. I mean. What what's uh you know what's Meta done with their their Oculus? I mean those things are just I'm not putting them on. I'm not buying them. I'm not wearing them. I know Mitch Mitch you made a a good uh, contrary opinion, but I'm not. Yeah, I, I brought up to Joel because he's a he's a big avid sports fan, right? For maybe you know game players, of course, out there that's something easy to look at. But what I was talking about was more like sports watching, right? So um, they already have this for basketball where they have a a camera that's right there on court side. So essentially when you put these goggles on, you're sitting court side and able to watch the game like if you were sitting in the seat right there. Um, I think in the long run, this is going to play um, into sports fans. I know I wouldn't mind watching a baseball game right behind home plate and putting the goggles on. Pretty but, cool. Hey, we'll see what happens. Like Dennis, wouldn't you would you like like to look at it as the goalie's perspective? And and literally, you get to watch I think the game from perspective. A, I think there's, I think what needs to happen, like I just don't like. And Joel's right. This is like me and Joel are old, and I like. Putting They're going to get smaller though. Remember, technology always starts huge and works its why way. Why can't smaller. the medium? Like, why can't we just have like you know a TV? You know, like we're sitting here and we look at this, but it's giving us that same experience without having to put all this crap on our Cause, head. Because you need more perspective in your visual. You need you to look over this way and this way. Yeah, exactly. So you need yeah. the 360 type of I got like the viewing. VR room you could go in maybe or something. Yeah, I don't know. maybe like that. But, but all <laughs> That's this what crap it is. gives me a That's headache what it is. is the problem. It's like, it's why I play Super Mario Brothers, the original Nintendo game. And I don't play the new games because they're too spinning around. And I'm like, my mind, my brain, I'm just too old. I just can't handle. Like, it gives me a headache. When I go in and I play even, like, in some, oh, try this new video game. I sit down and play for two hours. It's just spinning around in circles. I wanted to see the thing going across the screen. And it's simple. So, I mean, maybe me and Joel are just too old. Our brains are too old to comprehend. But I'm kind of with them. I don't want to go buy this thing and throw it on my head. Because I almost guarantee I'm going to have a headache after it. Mm -hmm. Number one thing I say to look for in this space is one thing that I think is very, very vital. They need to get the good games on these platforms. What I mean, the good games, the games that everybody plays today, Call of Duty, Grand Theft Auto, those types of games need to make their way to VR. If they can do that, I think that you'll get the consumer to adapt and go to VR. If you can't get these main game, main titles on, it's going to still be a struggle. Let's move out of well, Apple. Well, before, no, I just yeah. want to add two things. Sorry. <clears throat> Number one, what what I could do is uh, I, this may be a money making venture for me because I could <laughs> like charge people to sit next to me at a Michigan football game, exactly. right? And they don't have to be there, but they can hear my commentary <laughs> and my enthusiasm. So I could do that. Number two, and this is a little bit we didn't discuss this on the show, but is there any way to profit from 
Major League Baseball. Baseball's been in the dump for a long time. There is. I don't know. There is. But there is, Joel. What, could you tell me? Because that pitch clock has changed the world. It has. It really it has. has. Uh, it's all about learning to bring experiences to the game, not away from the game. You go to a stadium nowadays, what do you see experiences on? You see the experiences in the section like 387 and behind, like where you can't even see the game, and then you're throwing some pitch against some wall, and it's not an experience to the game. They need to bring experience to the game. I say you take a look into Japanese baseball, and that's going to teach you a lot on how to bring energy to the stadium to bring back the fans. But let's kick it towards something else. That's not stocks. Let's go to some key analyst upgrades and downgrades. Let's take a look into that. Today, we got uh, one that was pretty interesting. I think this one's a little late to the bank here, uh, but KeyBank downgrading target to sector weight, citing potential margin squeeze from student loan repayment. Mm. Just chasing here. I mean, you got a dollar general downgrade, target downgrade. I mean, these analysts, a lot of times they're just chasing moves. You know, analysts chase price. I mean, here's Target, $160 a week and a half ago. It's 132 Now you downgrade it. Thank you. I would like to hear from you a week and a half ago. Um, and the Dollar General, same thing here today. Full disclosure, I have a trading position, DG. But, I mean, this is just this market. It's like these analysts, like, have some guts. Make some contrarian calls. Do something. If it had put a buy on Target, I'd be like, oh, well, at least he got some guts. I'm not saying I'm buying Target. But I'm like, it's just so late to the party here. $170 beginning of April. Two months later, we're 130 The thing's been cut down by 25%. And now you downgrade it. Just disappointing that the analysts can't have more guts. Like, man, like, show some contrarians. 90% of analyst calls now are all momentum. Stock goes, goes up, we better upgrade it. Stock goes down, we better downgrade it. And we don't want to look bad at the end of the year. We got to get our price targets closer to this. I mean, it's just, it's just sad, really. Okay. Uh, I'm not, you know, it's down a buck oh nine. It ended a major losing streak with uh, two decent days. I would just look at that. This is a, if you want to be long target, if you want to lean on the low of the move, you went basically from 126 to 133. That's a seven point move. You know, so 130 and a half, 131. If you, you know, if you feel inclined, you know, you want to do that, lean on the low of the move at 126.75. But uh, I'm in agreement with you on this one, Dennis. I mean, downgrading it now after Thanks. such a move. Uh, broke out of a long, super long period of consolidation on 140. Maybe you just want to put a little mark across that 140 area and say, if and when it gets back above 140 and holds, it's showing some strength. But uh, right now, just uh, break out a long consolidation period to the downside and late, late to the game. And then uh, DG, Dollar General, that's that had right back on the lows of the move. I'll give you that for you. 159.12. Now we got a ways to go to get to the low of the move. Same setup here. A little bit of move halfway back if you want to try it. Uh, DG, but Dollar Tree, boom. Down, down 11 cents too. Not pretty looking charts, but I guess if you're a bottom fisher, they are. And that was also on Morgan Stanley's downgrade of Dollar General from overweight to equal weight and lowering the price target. Um, we can go to one last one here. We can go to Oppenheimer downgrading Estee Lauder uh, to perform. Um, and I, Same thing. 
These I are mean, all the same thing. These animals. $240 week and a half or two weeks ago. Has a batter and he's gaps down. Gets a little up move on Friday. They're like, well, we better take this shot. We went up $3 on Friday. We better take our shot now to get in there and downgrade these things. Like, they're all sitting there waiting for a little pop to sell. It's the same, you know, I guess as traders, you know, like Target's a little pop on Friday. We better downgrade it now. You know, this is our opportunity. You know, got a little pop. They're waiting for the, the, the rip to sell. These analysts are just following the overall trend and then they're looking for a rip to sell. And EL, same thing, went up five or six bucks on Friday. Like, well, we better use this opportunity to get out, out of it, or at least downgrade it. All right, let's keep going. EPAM we'll get... Systems. Can we go to this? Because oh. Pat wants to talk it. I want to talk it. This stock is down 35 bucks here right now. They warned here about 612 this morning. Uh, Mitch, if you want to go to the trusty Benzinga Pro, maybe you can bring it up and show where we grabbed this from. But at 612, you can see we summarized it all. 611.57, the press release. Benzinga does a beautiful summary 20 seconds later on the lowered guidance. All right, looks like they cut Q2 revenues here at 1.16 to 1.17. Prior was at 1.195 billion and 1.205. Can we show this? So what, what I want to do, I want to start this on our segments because it's hard to process when you're actually just reading numbers. But if you can bring up the pro and actually show, you know, and then people can read along with you because um, we, we do this a lot. I think it's an improvement we could do. Chat. You let me know if you want to see that as well. But I think when we're doing the earnings, we're going to have to use a little bit more of the pro here just to show you. Because when you get the visual of it, you can really, you know, get it better than as opposed to just reading it. So there it is. Now Mitch has got it up here on the screen for you. You can see on the bottom right there. Um, if you just close out that movers window, maybe close out the movers window. And then you can get a little bit more focused on there with the X there, Mitch. Yeah. And then you can see the EPAM, what we're talking about, bringing up in the top left corner. So that's the guidance cut here. And this is your big loser of the day. Chat says, love the visual. They love this idea. So we're going to start switching that where we're doing the earnings. We'll bring them up. We'll let you actually see them. All right. There you guys see the cuts there. Cut to revenue and cut to fiscal year 23 revenue. Not what you want to be seeing there. Um, so pre-announcement taking a big hit here. This is uh, what a what a great technical setup. I don't know if, uh, if there's anything in pro about this, but you have the former low of the move at two twenty three sixty five. I mean, what more could you ask for? I mean, it sure looks like you know right now it's going to be tested and taken out. But you got to keep an eye on that number for the. I use that as swing number for the remainder of the day. And then if you look at the bottom, you know, the bottom right chart, I'll make it bigger. Tell me where they're supporting this thing under that. There isn't any. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could drill down on your dailies or whatever. 168.59 is your next monthly low. But getting punished right now, folks, let's keep an eye on 223.65. Uh, excuse me. What What did this, this company do? Obviously, I'm with you, Zippy. What the hell does EPAM do? No, I don't software know. engineering. This is yeah, software not, engineering. Not very well. Yeah. Um, well, not not today, anyways. All I could think about was like Pam, like the oil cooking spray, but <laughs> I won't go there. Let's I keep... trade this every once in a while. It's a two hundred dollars <laughs> stock, so I don't like them as much. But Joel's done the technicals well. I mean, it's funny you can do technicals, and sometimes it's just like you know you're at two thirty. Well, let's go to the low of the move. And I mean, it's funny it <laughs> it's... stalls. It's stalling at the low of the move. Sometimes it's just you know not rocket science. Again, takes that low out, like Joel said, then you're in trouble. But at this point in time, it looks like the bulls are at least in the pre-market, trying to defend that former low. Can they mm -hmm. do it or not? That's to be determined. 
when what uh who else would fall in this category is anybody else uh dennis who do you uh like if, when you see the bad news on epam is there someone else you oh like gosh, to go ahead? A, what other software engineering companies here i'm this just asking I, me I, completely I, I'm hey he's uh, testing your Pro relationship has game. some tools here he's testing your relationship game there on what, this what one you got, i'm gonna i'm gonna go to the chat on this one well there's all right, software all right. we'll, we'll go to the pro out there but we'll go to the pro here you can use the peers tab of course on yeah on go to the peers show how to do that um, i'm so serious you just, on how to do that too. you literally just go to the top and you'll see yep. the kind of tabs and you'll see one that's called peers yeah. Pierce tries to include certain stocks, maybe some leaders. It's struggling with this one too. one. It has like IBM in there, IT. Um, so I, I would say more long look for software, maybe. Uh, software maybe taking a little bit of a pullback, but I wouldn't attach it too much to other plays. Let's here. talk IBM here today because IBM is not going to be down with this one. It's actually going to be up with Barron's mm. because IBM um, featured in Barron's over the weekend. Sneaky um, little I retweeted AI the article. Play. I've been saying this for two months, but it just hasn't caught on. I don't know what's going to make this catch on, but I feel like it's a value AI play. And I'm, All I'm I got to say is... Dennis, my friend, you're usually early, so I might I was start so watching. early on this one, <laughs> way too early. When they all were going AI, I was like, well, IBM's all over AI. They've been working on it for 20 years. they got to be able to pull this out. This is in their wheelhouse. Anyways, hey. Barron's finally is catching on and saying, yeah, this could be in their wheelhouse. And they're saying, this is a 5% dividend play that gives you good exposure to AI. I don't know if it's good or not because I, I've been everywhere. I bought this stock right around this price, around 132, went down I to remember, 121, back up to 132, back to even, back down to 121, a back up to even a 132. I'm just riding it through here because I feel like there's a sneaky AI play, not even sneaky, and that's what Barron's was saying. It's kind of obvious in your face, but it just doesn't get any AI love. IBM has to figure it out, obviously, but, I mean, they had a huge head start. You'd hope they could figure it out. Uh, technically, we're, we're trading up on this that 135 area. Man, we hung it. That was a uh, we hung, what was the low 133.50 to 135. I think it's important, you know, if you get today, you catch that uh, catch a nice bid, get above 135, then you can look at uh, you know the recent highs around the 137 area, a gap to fill up around around 140. Uh, but I mean, just how many how many times have you seen this in IBM? And then it doesn't get, go. And I then know. and then it doesn't go. Uh, just real quick, I, I just is not on the schedule. But Sentinel One, I someone asked that they they took a a flyer on it on Friday. The pre market action was pretty good on that one, uh, as far as uh, you know the the low coinciding with the day. It did have a nice rally. I don't know if it's going to explode today, but you want to see the low of that move protected. It, did it even trade under 13 in the regular session? Yeah, we had the lows around 1270, 1280. I don't know if it's exploding today, but man, see if you can get get a higher low in there and then maybe a couple days of consolidation and then eventually get get into that gap area. But it was, uh, it was a, a pretty explosive move off the open. Uh, if you were short that thing, you were, you were headed for the hills. But and I mean, there wasn't really much of a bounce. So is it too small as the question, you know, to like really like you get those mega cap texts. No, it's just AAP. It's, it's no one wants this thing, man. Yeah, it's the AAP of cybersecurity. I, I, I would Whether, be... Did AAP bounce on Friday? 
I would personally. Oh my gosh, say, AAP yeah. didn't even bounce on Friday. If you can't bounce on Friday, you're really bad stock because everything was bouncing on Friday. <laughs> AAP was down again on Friday. How is that possible? Did Foot Locker bounce? Because that's the other dog I think of right away. <laughs> oh, Foot Locker did bounce a little bit on Friday. We got a little bit of love in Foot Locker. Uh, I, I would honestly, Dogs. when I talk cybersecurity, I try to stay to the leaders, right? Let's talk Crowd about strike. the leader because there is yeah, a headline also, today yep. cybersecurity company palo alto to replace dish network in the s p 500 effective june 20th so let's see what happens there palo alto has already made a huge move through 200 can it just keep going um maybe i mean valuations always been high on this thing but like we've talked about some of these cybersecurity stocks have just been forgiven i mean this stock is near an all-time huh it is the stock oh, is trading yeah, at an all-time high here right now how impressive is that I mean, you've got still, you know, a lot of tech stocks. And yes, there's a few, but this is, you know, this really didn't get hit as hard in 2022 as a lot of other tech stocks. Got hit hard, but, you know, some of them were down 60, 70%. This was down, I think, 35%. Now all time highs, gets added to the SP 500. It's not always a great idea to chase the stocks getting added to the SP 500 yep. because, yep. again, um, you know, it's not a fundamental move. It's done because of indexing. So you're going to see it up here today as indexers are obviously buying that and selling dish, which is coming out of the S and P 500, um, where, with Palo going in, but I never argue with stocks making new all time highs. Your long stocks making new all time highs. You're doing something right. Uh, let's just call 230. You know, call it what it is. 231.88 is your pre-market high off that announcement. We've We've leaked four bucks off that, so we'll see. And Dennis, historically, uh, we've been talking, you get to pop on these stocks, and then they kind of fade. People kind of forget about it, and then it, it comes back around. So uh, that's it, 231.88. If you're, if you're stuck short on this one, you're looking for a gap fill, well, 219.93. That was the former all-time high, 217.24. That well, I don't know what's going to happen today, but that that was the old time closing high on Friday. Uh, what's going on? Is Dish getting trashed on this? I know this thing has had some moves lately. Uh, Dish is down twenty two cents on this, and mm -hmm. had a move on Friday. Uh, also, just an, another segue, we did discuss it a little bit, Mitch and I. How about? Uh, Amazon comes out with that news from a reputable source, <laughs> right, and says they're getting into wireless. And they absolutely murder AT and T, Verizon, and then and then uh, T Mobile, and then the company says out and uh, says out, oh, no, well, we're not really doing that. And the stocks have a rally, but I don't they know. They didn't get it all back. Nothing. Because they know how Amazon is. They're like, <laughs> well, we're not doing. Yeah, we're not doing that right now. But now it's on the radar. That's so they what don't I see that as a, yeah, they yeah. never Amazon and yeah. Apple and all of them don't like tipping <laughs> their hand until they're ready to tip their hand. So Bloomberg gets a little leak. They're like, no, they're, they're going to try to like put, push it away a little bit. Meanwhile, behind the scenes, they're like getting all this stuff ready. So isn't I think this the market like, isn't fully believing that Amazon isn't going to touch them. Yeah, it could have been even I, I mean, I, I'm not it's pure speculation here, but this could even been like, all right, we're, we're working on something. Let's see how they think about it. Right. Because. You see the reaction. You almost get a pre-reaction from the consumer yeah. of how they would be reacting to that action, right? We saw it. I mean, the wireless companies were running away real quick. 
And then some people thought that maybe T-Mobile would be the company that would offer them the wireless. Like yeah, it would be like a would, partnership. Yep, yep. I, heard, I did hear that mentioned. And that's why I feel like T-Mobile recovered a little bit better than the other ones. But they still recovered a little bit. I think this is a story that we just got to wait till the catalyst comes out. But it's, it's very hard to determine if it's real, fake, or maybe just an idea. I, I think it's probably something there, but I think it's just, you know, somebody's got a leak and, you know, so it's early maybe. Yeah. And and that's why, again, it's hard to them recover at all. And T-Mobile has been just, you know, an unbelievable performer compared to AT&T and Verizon. If you go out to the monthly charts, T-Mobile straight up over the last six to seven years and Verizon and AT&T have been straight down. So it's been T-Mobile eating AT&T and Verizon's lunch. And now the worry is Amazon coming to eat all their lunch. So, I mean, when you say Amazon, it doesn't just go away right away. Even if the company denies it, it still doesn't go right away because God investors think it. It's like, ooh, I don't want to compete with Amazon. Do you guys remember the saying, is it real or is it Memorex? You are, no, I do he's not. He's going back to the 1950s. I do not. Here, no, I'm He's not. going back to the 50s. I was in no, the diapers. I was in you the diapers. You were in the diapers. You were in you were, your parents were in diapers, Mitch. No. <laughs> no. Joe, no. what year? What year? At least give me a decade. 80s 80s okay okay the chat will know then maybe it's the 80s dennis was, was too busy. Dennis, i do not dennis, remember that dennis was too busy rocking you know rocking in the 80s See, there, there we go there we go we got it rocking back and forth there you go yeah, the guy in the chair Joel. the guy in the chair you don't know oh yeah the guy oh, in the chair. oh yeah yeah and he it's a great commercial it's for uh <laughs> cassettes and the guy's sitting there and he's listening to the music. And, you know, if it's, is it a live band or is it Memorax? Is it the cassette? I love the chat. They, the they, at least, they at least get the Joel. Yeah, they know. You can tell everyone. There's a few good. guys in there that get Joel's humor. Yeah, there is. There's a few. Let's keep going, guys. Let's bring Change this to an interesting, interesting move. Definitely. Without a doubt. I think we've been looking to see what would happen with the regional banks. Did you guys see the move by KRE? on friday yeah, i finally, think that's very yeah. important to catch and then today i do see this headline u.s regulators planning to lift capital requirements for big banks after the bank collapses so now that we're starting to get this move this headline what are you guys thinking about the banks um i mean this is good news the, the rally on friday makes me want to buy dips in almost everything maybe it's fake maybe we're still going in a recession but it makes you feel like this is what we needed we needed the stocks that were not participating at all to start to participate. And that is what happened on Friday. We know the regional banks and the banks themselves have really not been a great place to be. I mean, yes, some of the majors have been okay, but let's be honest. Bank of America, 36 bucks in February, 28 bucks. I mean, JP Morgan has held up well, but JP Morgan's best of breed. Goldman Sachs is down 30 or $40 in the last three months. Morgan Stanley is significantly off the highs, $100 back in February. It's down to 84 um, So... At least now you're getting some participation from stocks. And then the KRE, we know it's just been you know devastated from those regional bank failures that we had and the worries that other regional banks could fail. So, I mean, it's nice to see the beaten down sectors show some life, even if it's just for a day. Yeah, definitely a nice little move there from the KRE, something that I will keep watching. I mean, I've had this technical line drawn since April 10th, um, just drawing that trend line, thinking when could we put a real hard move and close above that. So you can see how that trend line goes right into Friday's low. And so I'll be looking to see if we can just hold Friday's low, 40.29 on the KRE. And I too, myself, can maybe use that as an out to start looking at even regionals. I know that I said that was a high risk trade before, 
think it's coming to the point where I might even start looking at some of those uh, for at least a day trade action. Uh, All right, Joel, go, you got you got, got a little you got a little something special for us, I, I Joel. Think I, do. I know I you. Think I, I know do. you. All right, let me see if, I, if it will work. <laughs> you see, I, when, when you guys see my charts up, you know Joel's working on something in the background. I got you, Joel. I'm putting you up. Okay, I'm gonna oh, do that. There you go. Put it full screen. This. That an amplified human voice can shatter a glass is remarkable. That a cassette recording of that voice can shatter. Oh. Glass. The reset co- recording can shatter one glass. Plays, can the same cassette still shatter a glass? <laughs> one Most thousand the plays later. Most doesn't even know what a cassette tape is. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you Tim Quas does. I bet you Tim oh, Quas does too. I, I, I can't blame you. That that guy, he's ready for it. All right, Tim. <laughs> Do you remember that commercial? Joel's back with Memorex. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm right there with you, Joel. I, 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 I need to move some floppy disks out of the way so I can put the notebook in front of me. <clears throat> hey, good to see you guys. Oh, you're back. You're back. So, okay, vacationing once again. Talk about your vacation, first of all, because you just live the dream, and I live vicariously through you. So please, because I never leave the trade cave. So please tell me about your vacay. Well, and what we're doing is we're just trying to do everything we can while we can. Really, it's it's not more complicated than that. You know, life is short, and uh, we're trying to go every place that we can while we can move. And uh, I can tell you, Greece is a place you should go. Uh, it, it exceeded our expectations. We, we sp- I'll, very quickly, we spent three weeks there. Um, so we went to uh, Santorini and Mykonos, you know, fancy places, desert islands, very expensive. Uh, then we went to uh, Athens and, and we drove in a it's sort of a big circle drove a thousand kilometers, jumped on a, on a catamaran off the coast, uh, the Ionian clo- coast. Uh, the island over there is called Lefkada, sailed around the islands, came back, went, visited Corinth. That was fascinating, went back to Athens. Wow. So uh, we, you know, I even managed to learn a dozen words of Greek during that time. So, so uh, you think, well, couldn't you have learned more? Well, I've got only a handful of brain cells, you know, and, <laughs> and, and the few I've got are generally concerned with market structure. But I can tell you, Greece is just a great place. The rest of the country, very diverse geographically. You know, you tend to think of Greece as a dry place. There are parts of it that are very lush. Uh, the beautiful villages, fabulous ancient architecture. Everywhere you go, there's some ancient thing in front of you. It's just really incredible. People are awesome. Food is fantastic. I gained 10 pounds. You can probably no. tell. No, I'm serious. I was in all went to I the face. In, I was in fighting shape when we went. And uh, <laughs> well, you start eating and drinking your way around Greece, and uh, it fades Ugh. fast. But anyway, it's good to be back. Good to see you guys. Uh, that's what Make I love any to trades hear. while you're on and cruising around and doing everything. Did you do any trading or do you just like separate yourself? Oh, like, no. no, I'm getting away from the markets for a couple of weeks. I, I do not. I, okay. I went to cash. And Tim I is married. Yeah. That's all I got to yes. say. Tim is married. I, <laughs> they don't like I that understand, one. <laughs> on your vacation. I understand my priorities, and I'm very grateful for them. By the way, the love name it, of our boat, it. purely by chance, the name of our boat was Gratitude. 
So we, we thought, well, that's perfect because we're very grateful for the things we get to hey. do. Hey, well, we're grateful to have you on here, Tim. And, and so one thing that I want to say is that did you think about changing market structure AI? Because we need to add that last little bit to there or something because – if we get it going here, who knows where market structure can go? Um, of course, we saw the markets on Friday really take off. It seemed like an everything rally. What did you see? And of course, even better, what did market structure edge see? Well, great question, Mitch. So if you look at it purely from a data standpoint, as to the AI, I mean, I would say there's evidence globally that AI already is at work in the trading environment. In fact, uh, we've talked about this before. I think that AI, the use of the use of data, large language sets, machines, algorithms to make decisions, is something that's been present in the U.S. market for a very long time. It's spread globally, um, and and I'll pick that theme up right after I say that to me, what has happened June one and two, June two, uh, you know, you can say, well, it's this great jobs data. Well. We can talk about that jobs data. Uh, to me, this was much more about a global macro move and it's there in the data. If you look at the data, if we were to parse the, the demographics of the money May 31, when index futures expired and compare it to what happened June one and two both. So we're new month, new money. What are the, how did the behaviors change? In those two days, there was a 24% increase in the S&P 500 in flows from passive investment. There was a 0% change in active investment. So you cannot, if you take the data, if you, number one, if you accept, okay, do we have a reasonable way to measure that? Well, we've been doing it a long time and very accurately. So I would say it was not a rational response. It was, a, it was an asset allocation decision to put more money to work in equities. And look, we're not alone. The Japanese market, where the debt to GDP ratio is 226%, is trading at a three-decade high. The DAX, the German market, where the economy is in recession, two quarters of contracting GDP, is trading the, about as high, it's up as much as our market is in 2023 look at the asian markets it's everywhere you can't just say oh it's this great jobs number in the united states were that true there would be a separation between the united states and all these other markets which brings us back to ai mitch i think that trend following global macro funds quantitative funds asset allocation models make fairly quick changes by consuming data with machines and responding to them. This is the problem to me with prices and technical factors. You know, you guys are really good with technicals and I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying that you have to think about this in terms of what the money is doing. If the machine setting prices and thus altering the technical signals make decisions in two days, how quickly can things change? Well, I would remind people that in June last year, the S&P 500 was down 8%. It was up 8% in October last year, but it all came in the last week and a half. Remember, we hit lows in the market in yeah. October. It's, it's very important to remember that a day or two is not a trend. You can't now all of a sudden say, well, everything's perfect. Let's plow money back. The banks are fine. Everything's awesome. 
That is not the way that the market works. Would that it work? I wish that you could depend on the market as a barometer of the underlying economic factors. And I'll, I'll add this one little thing. I know I've gone on here for a bit, but when you look at the data, the jobs data, there are two components to that data. I know that data very well. I've been tracking that data for 15 years. So the establishment survey showed a $339,000 job increase. That is a survey of businesses. However, it gets adjusted. They change the benchmark every year. In 2021, they lifted the benchmark, the baseline by 506,000 jobs. One of the largest increases since that data was accumulated and that we started in 1948. If you look at the household data, it declined 310,000 and unemployment increased by 442,000. Right, so if you actually net the data out, it's not very good. If you look at the income data, GDI as opposed to GDP, we are in recession. Hours mm -hmm. are falling. The economic data is not great, people. Get that through your heads. And so yeah. that's important and don't let it influence how you trade the market. You trade supply demand divergences. You stack the probabilities in your favor. You're very careful around things that can change outcomes. We told people watch May 31, could be a challenging day. Index futures reset. Jobs data, very tradable event. Event. You just have to be aware of those things. So where's the money going, Tim? I mean, we saw the IWM pick up. I mean, did you get any signals from uh, Market Structure Edge? And where is it going? Is it gonna keep on going? And the other thing I just wanna add is, uh, you know, we have uh, we have a quad witch coming up a week from Friday, right? We got the, you talked about the June price action, uh, but first things first, Tim, where's the money going and is it gonna keep going there? Well, it's very smart to point that out, Joel. Those, and it's not just a quad witch, it's index rebalances. And, and we're, you know, we're talking about potentially today, pulling out of a technical bear market recovering 20% from the October lows, basically. So uh, how important will that be to people who are exposed to equities, the indexes that have to track a benchmark and, and where the gains have been heavily concentrated? Friday's, or Friday was the first big exception to that. And yet still 70% of the S&P 500, and again, I'm not a technical trader, are trading below their their 50-day moving average, right? So it, it, it's not a broad-based move. Up until Friday, seven stocks were responsible for all the moves in the S&P 500. That's you can look crazy, across, yeah. isn't it? You could look across every sector, and the top 10 stocks were almost wholly responsible for the performance of those sectors. Well, I mean, that's very challenging, right? You got to keep that in mind. Is the, is the money really broad-based, or does it go to certain places? So to answer to my, in my view, Joel, here's how I would look at this. And, you know, there are multiple ways to look at it, but I'm always going to look at, first of all, what is the supply demand balance in the S&P 500? I always want to know that. And that's what we call broad market sentiment. And we'll look at here's price. This is SPY. There's the big move on Friday. So two move, two day move that really sparked, you know, spiked the market, but it's done it before. You know, if you could go back and look at all the days that the market has moved, big move, big move, big move, big move, big move, big move. So it happens. But here's the demand side. Demand probably recovers, but it's at 4.8. You need a minimum 5.1 to sustain gains. So how is it that the market has risen? 
well, it rose principally because of a deficit in supply, which is short volume. But still, these levels are over 50%. So if you look at the supply and demand balance and just take it at face value, I mean, either the data are wrong or they're correct. But if these data are correct, we have the same condition still. Now, the changes will change our tune. If this slides back below 50% and demand rises back over five, different matter. But if that doesn't happen, then nothing has changed. So that's the number first thing I look at. Second thing is let's go look at the dashboard and see where the money's going. I like to look across the sectors. In fact, let's start with big tech. Here's big tech. So it's a 30-day view of demand. It's pretty darn good yet. Do we still and got legs? We still got legs there? I would say yes. I mean, it's come off its high, but it's it's flattened out at 7.9. That's still really good. And Dennis, I know you you would say sell the other stuff, buy tech on any weakness. The the and and there's some merit to that because yeah. there remains very strong demand in tech and insufficient supply. It did tick up on Friday. Did tick up on Friday. Uh, so then let's go look at you know where's the money going. Otherwise, well, you would say a great indication of the strength of the consumer would be to look at consumer discretionary, which has performed very well. But it's because, again, a small handful of stocks in consumer discretionary are actually tech stocks. And so it's done well. But look at consumer discretionary. Is this a market you would buy? Well, the supply side's falling, but it's above 50%. Demand has fallen back below five. No, I wouldn't buy that. Doesn't mean the stocks can't move. But I don't look at that and say, well, that's a great signal for the consumer. How about consumer staples? Demand below five. Supply after a huge bubble there came down on Friday, but it's still 50%. I'm not plowing money into those sectors. So I can look across here and say, I don't see broad-based momentum in the market. And in fact, my momentum portfolio will tell me. My momentum portfolio has 10 components. It had 20 or close to that a week ago. Uh, so it's gone down, not up. Low volatility, call that value. Nine components, financials leads, fast trading is the price center, supplies down. I mean, I think there could be, and Dennis, you may disagree, a move to value afoot. It's not a very broad one because there are only nine components. You look at the momentum side, it's good. It's good, uh, but there are only 10 in it. So I think, Joel, like this is a long-winded answer. Maybe this doesn't hold. Maybe it doesn't hold. Triple D, I know you wanted to add something in there. It's what we saw on Friday. I mean, we finally started to see, and I think you're starting to see it in your numbers a little bit here too. I mean, one day we say it doesn't make a difference, but maybe it can make a difference in this case. I mean, the value is the, the separation here, the gap between you know tech and growth and value. Yep is probably as wide as, and I don't have the stats, but you can just feel how wide it is. It's widened tremendously in 2023. Yep. Is there a check back? Is there, you know, where value actually starts to outperform growth, even just for a short period of time? I feel like it, it's bound to do that here eventually. Now, again, is, you know, the dip going to get bought in tech and the rally sold in value and we continue on our merry way? I don't know. But I tell you, Friday was a step in the right direction for the value guys. No question. If I look at, if I pick the best two, what I would consider the best two uh, stocks, if I look at, at momentum versus low volatility, I'm going to go into this portfolio because it reinforces your point. So to me, Micron is the best 
of the momentum lot. And all I'm looking at is it's a 10, it's top, but that just means it's got slamming good demand yet. 41% supply, that's well below the 50% in the S&P 500. And the 30-day trend in supply is down. The lead behavior is derivatives. That means people are levering into it. Now, again, that doesn't mean, you know, it's not what happens today. It's what, can that thing give you some gains yet? Well, I look at it and say, yes, here's demand and here's supply. But, okay, that's the good news. If I look at J&J, even, even CVX, J&J, which is a value or low volatility trade, has a much better supply demand divergence. Demand hardly ever moves off of five in J&J because it's a value stock. But look at that supply drop. That's the kind of thing that could power a move in J&J. And it suggests that one day is not a trend. I would need to see some moves for a period of time. I like a five-day rolling average of moves because that's how many moves in the market. But if that holds, right, Tim, Tim, we're, we're, we're kind of we're running up against the clock here, but we okay. are glad to have you back. Tim Quas, market structure ag, back from Greece. A little bit heavier. Joel's off. cutting me off. Joel's cutting yeah, me off. Yeah, he's never done that. <laughs> you know how it is, baby. If you want the information, I'll tell you where you can get it. Well, you can just go to Market Structure Edge. Threw up the link there. You guys can check it out yourself, right? Well, there you guys have it. Have a great one, Tim Quas. Always good you to have you back too. on. Have a great week. Tim, See thanks ya. for coming back. We're, we're love to have you back. Awesome. Definitely. Let's get back to the action. Of course, the markets are, I mean, like kind of hanging in there right now. Let's go take a it's look. It's such underneath. a weird day. There's just, yeah, bring up the trade zero segment. Because yeah, let's go to trade zero and see, see what we, we can see. Shake, same. You know what? We've been in a four point range almost the entire show. I mean, mm. we just, we went down, we dipped under unchanged and then, uh, and then we went, no. 4290 handle we'll see i mean if we could hold on change here like that first 15 20 minute bracket man let's get in a 4300 handle but let's go to trade zero all right let's look underneath let's see what we can find of course uh pan w showing up we've already talked about that gush going up we've talked about oil tesla Mm, going up here 217 got to that 217 high uh, uh -huh. from and this was when this was on the 16th of february uh and can this keep going i mean what it's a nice gone run. too far now we we were all over this i mean when we talked the musk interview is the thing that turned it it's run from 165 mm -hmm. to 215 now because everybody sees this as an ai play here because musk said it and all you had to do was say it and the market listened and it turned the tire narrative around for this so I do think you're buying pullbacks on Tesla, but to chase it here now is 185 days ago, 220. You're chasing a stock that just run 20% in four or five days. I mean, I think you need to have a pullback here now. Again, I'm talking about tech stocks to buy on pullbacks. Tesla pulls back to 200. Would I be a buyer for a trade? Absolutely. Can't chase it at this point in time. It's just gone too far. Great number uh, that you gave in that high 1765. It looks like someone's saying, okay, I was selling at 1765, but now I'm selling at 218. So that was the high for three different 15 minute brackets. Above that, pretty wide open, but uh, keeping an eye on the pre market high. And I uh, just wanted to mention Ford looking perky here, Dennis. Mm. And uh, look at, I, I don't know, did that show up in uh, the Trade Zero? Uh, filter what's not? the four news today is there news here it's up three percent 
Yeah, so I was looking in the Trader Streets. I still haven't gotten an, an ability to confirm this, but what, from what I saw, and at least from Twitter, and maybe someone can confirm this, is I saw an upgrade to buy at City with a $16 target. Oh, wow, maybe someone good. can confirm this. I'm looking around to get I didn't look yet. I'll confirm it in um, a second yeah. if it's there or not. Let me go look. Yeah, that's yes. what I think yeah, it is. I can confirm that Citigroup has been upgraded to buy, or Ford has been upgraded to buy at Citigroup on positive survey results so whatever that means they got a survey out there and they're looking at it there so that is why ford is trading up here this morning so i can confirm that for you mm -hmm. um, and i like I'm this long play. general motors it's starting to show life i'm long toyota so i'm long Ooh, tm toyota general motors the tm has like it was went from like pissed to bliss in like two days i don't know what happened there but went from 135 to 146 just like that so I'm in, a, I'm, I'm in a couple of these plays. I'm not in the Ford at this current time, but they kind of all move together. All right. We'll see what happens with those plays. Um, one thing I always look for is Ford to get hot when Tesla's hot. Tesla's been hot. Ford's starting to move up. Maybe that helps GM. Maybe that can keep these stocks going. If there's a move to value, though, sleepy move to value. Remember, what's the PE on Ford? Seven, eight. Yeah. What's the PE on GM? Seven, eight. What's a PE on TM? It might be a little bit higher. 10? Like, let's grab, if, can we grab the pro? Just bring these up and show where people can look this up. And you want to look at the forward information. So I'll just go to forward, um, bringing that up, the forward. In, and again, the forward's going to be last. So the forward, they've got it um, at seven right now on forward. On General Motors, they've got it, the forward PE. I bet you it's lower in General at Motors. five. <laughs> they're pricing in recession on all these stocks like people are never going to buy a car again this is why i've started to build positions in some of these because i just feel like if we're not going to recession there's gonna be some plays here toyota ford pe is nine i mean you're talking things that are trading half the market multiple here so if we're going to recession you're not going to want these stocks but if you think we're getting a soft landing these stocks could actually outperform all right, let's keep going. Let's get to another stock here and uh, let's see what we see. We see a lot of oil stocks on here. I don't know if I trust that move, but I see Crocs showing up again. That's interesting. Seems like it's finding a little bit of some bottoming action. wonder what Joel thinks about the technicals on this chart. It's, it's come back a little ways. What do you see there? Uh, it got punished after earnings. We talked about it. It put in a, a, a nice low. Uh, you get looks like you gave back half of that, you know, half of that uh, that nice little rally. So I don't mind it here, leaning on the low of the move and uh, go out and uh, buy some Hey Dude shoes or something. That was like the big thing <laughs> with that. Uh, <laughs> last week's high, what? Uh, well, let's just look at the two day high for this one. Let's keep it simple. Uh, Thursday's high, one eleven sixty. That's a target right now. Let's see if you can get above that level. All right, let's go looking on the downside. It looks like Airbnb showing up a little bit, getting the hit downside? here. That's an SP change. Mm. I believe – I'm not 100% on that. Is it downgrade or was it an SP change? There was a whole bunch Friday, um, a whole bunch of S&P changes. So we, we talked the big one, the Palo Alto into the 500 and the dish out. Yeah. But there was like 50 changes on S&P on lower indices. I feel like – I think Airbnb was. I didn't get – I didn't actually look it up though. But it started trading Friday when all the S&P changes happened. So I'm just assuming that was an S&P change. So I'm not 100% on that. I'm long Airbnb. I'm looking it up. I don't have no confirmation, at least from right now, on the pro from that. So I'll, I'll move forward on this one since I don't have a confirmation. I won't make too many comments on it. Um, let's go to another stock here. Let's go to Lulu. As that guy, that was a, a roller coaster ride, right? And now you're right back towards the lows. Does it just fill the gap right back down? 
Uh, this was a fun one on Friday, and we talked about it. And uh, Dennis, you, you were you were kind of right because it did have some legs. And I was like, I was just did not think I. To me, after that kind of move, I, I don't. There's still got to be sellers out there in this thing to get all your money back off one report. So I don't know. I'd be careful on this one on the long side. But uh, it was uh, got up to 386 before it tanked. So once again, you could have an opinion. You can short things, but you can also get ran over. But uh, I'd see this one going down, just drifting down, not going straight down, stick to the gap area. All right, guys, like always, you guys want to check out extensive inventory of short locates. Check out Trade Zero, of course, and we're going to be trying to show you guys more and more with Trade Zero's flagship software. So throwing up the link there. Let's get in this down and get in the last comment from my man, Joel Alconin. It's so quiet, man. It is. Yeah, let's just hold the close at 42.88. Um, and then you take out the pre-market high. Uh, Friday's high is your only number, and I had to do some digging over the weekend. Friday's high at 42.9775. That is the highest level the front month contract has been since August 19th of 2022. And that was uh, the Globex high was way up at 43.70. The interday high was 43.44 and a quarter. The only thing is, is I'll throw a, a little caution here for the next three days is you do have the rollover going on the contract. So we all know what that does. It creates some air pockets in the market. But right now, let's hold that close at 42.88. And let's take out Friday's high. So everyone have a good day. Back with you later on. All right, Joel's out of here, team, yeah. and uh, we'll start wrapping it up here, I'm getting Dennis. out of here, too. Weird no day. Worries. I'll just say so far, it's all rotation. I'm half red, half green, so all kinds of rotation. Mm -hmm. Back to that again, where wicked rotation. We had a couple days or where I mean, like we had that expansion move, right? And when we ever get expansion moves, I think it's going to be a little bit of undecided in the morning, right? I think, you I think know, so. I think that's yeah. a good a good call that, you know, you had this big move. People are questioning, is it real? Is it not? Exactly. Am I following? Am I chasing? So I think that's probably the case here, Mitch. Yeah, and then we could see pullbacks. It could happen, and then we'll see what happens towards the open. Now, one stock I got to ask you a question on because we both got it, Dennis. Are we getting rid of our square here? Huh. It's it's already rewarded us pretty well here. It's been a good It's been good so far. I was down with it for a bit, though, so... I, I'm holding on to square here. I feel like you're breaking the downtrend here. I feel yeah, like there's room too. to 70. Yeah. So I'm sticking with it. But I could see, you know, you've moved up from 55 to 60. You can see resistance at 65. I mean, yeah. I, I, yeah. I'd keep an eye on PayPal if you're trading square. You know, I like my relationships. PayPal's oh. trying to show some life. I don't know if it just finds death. The one problem you have when they're in downtrends like this is the bloody analysts come on. And, you know, they're like, oh, I've had this wrong. It gets a little bit of a rally and they sell the rip on and they downgrade it. And I mean, ah. it's one thing, you know, if participants are selling, when an analyst downgrades a stock, people listen again, and then that knocks it back down. So has so much trouble because it's probably so many analysts have buys on these stocks that are embarrassed by it. And every time they upgrade or every time it starts to move up, they're like, okay, well, let's get us back to neutral on this thing. So you're fighting that analyst community. That's the one issue with Square and PayPal, but they're, turn, they're trying to turn. We'll see what happens. Like always, you guys can keep up with everything Dennis Dick does. Keep watching them. Triple D Trader on Twitter. Give them a follow. Have a good one, Dennis. See Go do what you do best, my friend. All right, we're going to get you guys over to live trading action and, of course, all access. But before I do that, guys, I do want to let you guys know, if you guys want to go ahead and see 
I know a lot of people have been talking about it. Someone wanted to see me hit a blast, right? Someone said that you guys wanted to see a video of me hitting a blast. Well, come over to live trading. I'm going to show you guys a nice little home run from the weekend. Check it out, team. And, of course, if you guys want to join the book club, keep joining. We got more than 550 members now on the book club. We keep growing every week. So check it out, team. Like always, the book club doing great. Definitely, if you guys want to check us out, we are actually shifting over towards a weekday, a weeknight for book club. So if you weren't participating because it was on the weekend, now's your chance to join in. Hit that link. And now to get you guys over to some live trading action, we got a great week. And definitely, go Heat, baby. Go Heat. You know it. Heroes coming back. Game three. Don't take it, baby. Now, I, I still like the Nuggets, full disclosure. That's my West team. But I got to go with my East team. Let's go, Heat. Let's see what we can do. I'll see you next time. And of course, like always, all content is for informational purposes, not to be used as investment advice, and opinions do not represent those of Benzinga. Hosting guests may maintain positions in the security discussed. And now to bring you over to live trading action, stay right here, the number one place to grow, Benzinga, baby.